my, my goal yesterday was to get up and get going and my body said, no, you're not. <laughs> it said, uh-uh, no. I, I'm still dealing with this sickness, as you can still tell, and uh, that's just part of life. I used, to, I used to come back after a few days. It must be that I must be getting older or something. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> but the devil is a lie. <laughs> I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of, of Acts. And I think what I'm going to do in part is preach apart and then have a question and answer. What I'm going to do, actually, I'm going to read the entire passage, 16 to the end, and just deal with a few points. Today, Lord, we pray that you will bless and anoint and be with us. We thank you for your, your power and your grace. Continue to touch the body and give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I think just because of the, I'm going to just read from the NIV, chapter 16 of Acts, verse 16. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. When the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar. By advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept a practice, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks about midnight. (laughs) Wow. Some of y'all would have been in a deep sleep at that time. Some of y'all just would have just been going tipping outside that door. I know some of y'all. Seeing <laughs> y'all going to the after party. <laughs> About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open. And everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, 
don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them and brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? <laughs> they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus. And you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took him and washed their wounds, and immediately he and all his family, family were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. Actually, I'm going to stop there. According to John G. Butler, spirit of divination literally means spirit of python. And in Greek mythology, this was a large snake that was especially connected with predicting the future, fortune tellers and the like. How many of you uh, read your horoscope today before you came to church? I, I hope nobody did, and if y'all did, nobody raised their hand. <laughs> so I'm assuming that you are not into the horoscope. Point number one we want to address is the one who speaks the message must be aligned with God. The one who speaks the message, that person must be aligned with God. Now, now simply, simply voicing something that is true does not mean that the church should embrace the messenger of the message. Let me say that again. Simply because someone voices something that is true does not mean the church should embrace the messenger of the message. Sometimes I hear people get all excited, and they should when the Word of God is preached, but they get all excited, but the person that's preaching or saying the Word ain't living nothing. In fact, is living in known sin. So we have to be careful that we don't embrace the messenger, even if they are saying that which is true. Now the world will tell you that you just need to accept everyone. You just need to get along with everybody. You should not pass judgment. The Bible is full of judgment. The Bible is full of, of making decisions about people and Telling you that you need to evaluate and telling that you telling you that you need to be careful what you do. You need to be careful who you get your advice from. Paul clearly does not identify this slave girl with the work of the Lord. He doesn't do it. Paul does not say, oh, what a wonderful thing she is saying. Let's take a look at this. 
It says, once when we were going to the place of prayer, chapter 16, verse 16, we were met. Now, because they were met, it, 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 it makes me think that she must have approached them or came out at the time when they were on their way. Somehow there was a, an interaction that took place. There are going to be people in life that you're going to cross paths with. And just because you cross paths with them, it doesn't mean you're speaking the same thing. Just because that person said, hallelujah, don't get too happy. They said, hallelujah, they're a Christian. How do you know? They said, praise the Lord. Yes. They were met by this slave girl while they were on their way. And Paul, as I said, does not identify this slave girl with the work of the Lord. Now note that she earned a great deal of money by using a spirit that was not from God. You can make money by doing what's right, and you can make money by doing what's wrong. I didn't get a lot of amens on that. I know, I, I know I'm right. <laughs> I got so wrapped up one time in this friends helping friends. It wasn't no friends helping friends. It was people helping themselves. Put your money on this board and help somebody to flip off or go off, and they don't come back in to support you. Yeah, that game was nothing. It was a <laughs> pyramid upwards, sideways, and backwards. I would come home and oh my goodness and got myself wrapped up, got my board and looking at I was so enraptured in this thing. So I told you not recently too long ago the Lord had to speak to me. He said he can't it can't work. Told, told Floyd Jackson, said, you know, Bacardi, you can't Floyd, it can't work, it can't work. This cannot work. But you see, when you are blind, when you are blind to what is in front of you because you are so entrenched in your ways to make money the wrong way, you can't even see the danger. I couldn't even see clearly what I had initially apprehended. I was initially concerned, but I threw all of that to the wind for a period of time, years ago. But I tell you this, thank God that he opened my eyes. You see, money has a tendency to blind you. The pursuit of money. Now the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil, not money. People say the Bible says money is the root of all evil. No, it did not. The love of money is the root. Why? Because it will call you to do things that you said you would never do. And anytime somebody asks you, 
What's enough? You say just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. That's what the slave owner said to this slave about this about this slave girl. Just a little bit more. Hmm. Now note that she was not quiet. But the Bible describes her that she followed them shouting, these men are men of the Most High, telling you how to be saved. Be careful that you don't embrace the messenger if they're not aligned with God. I don't care how good they might sound. There are some good sounding folk that will ride their bikes up and down the street, dressed with a nice tie, white shirt and a tie, and will be very nice to you, but will take your soul right to hell because of the message that they have. Sounds good, but it ain't right. When Satan tells the truth, there's a lie involved. Hmm, yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not making that up. When he, when he tells you the truth, there's a lie involved. One of the things that I want you to get is that this slave girl that approached him, it came at a time when the church was experiencing success in Philippi. Lydia had just accepted the Lord, and she had told Paul, let me, let, if, 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 if I found favor with you, if, if, if you guys, can, you know, have welcomed me, and I, I, I can show my gratitude, just come to my house and let me take care of you. The Bible says she had to persuade them. It's right after this time that they're going to prayer, that they're met by the enemy. Sounding good. You got to be on your guard when you come off the mountaintop. You got to be very careful when you've had a powerful experience with the Lord. You got to be very careful when 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 you have come off of this great high with the Lord. And God has done something in your life. Be careful. Because you're going to have a valley experience. And it is at the time when Lydia has welcomed them. She's been saved. There's been, uh, she's been a blessing to them. And, and it's at the time when they're going to work. Now, I want you also to note something. That this slave girl's word, it was persistent. It was not a one-time deal. Satan ain't coming after you one time and leaving you alone. Some of y'all said, I just wish Satan would leave me alone. He ain't leaving you alone. He'll leave you alone if you come to him and do what he say. But go ahead and try to back out and get out. I'm going to tell you this dream I had years ago. I had it like three times. I was a kid. Dream scared me later on. 
I was a kid. We had bunk beds in our room. And the bed, we would sometimes, you know how sometimes you would move your bed around to give the illusion that you just made more room? <laughs> you move from one side over here, oh, we got so much more room. No, you don't. <laughs> that room ain't changed. <laughs> but on this particular day, I'm dream- I, I, the, the bed is by the long window, and there was an altar in my bedroom. Now, 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 I was scared of the dark when I was in the room by myself. See, in the room, I think I'm fine. Turn, turn the light out in the hall. But I always had the door cracked. <laughs> Why y'all laughing? No, y'all did too. <laughs> y'all ain't fooling me. Some of y'all still scared of the dark. So, with your nightlight. <laughs> Got a little light coming from the bathroom or somewhere. I need to see something. (laughs) But there was this altar in my room. And people were coming in and praying and going out. But this figure in dark clothes and dark sunglasses was there. And as this figure got up to walk out the door... I was going to ask him to make sure he left the door cracked and the light light on. But I realized when I called, I knew it was Satan. I knew it was evil. I knew that. And I stopped. I said, never mind. He said, what were you going to say? Never mind. I definitely didn't want the light out then. <laughs> Walked up to the bed and tried to force me to tell him what I wanted. I had that dream on three separate occasions. Exactly at the same point and exactly the same person. When I told my dad when I was a kid, he said Satan wanted you to tell him what you wanted. Satan can't read your mind. But I knew immediately that there was danger when I called, and I knew that I was not to be asking that entity in my room for anything. I knew at that moment there was danger, even though there was an altar in my room, and that person just had gotten up, I knew that wasn't the person that I was supposed to be asking anything from. And at that moment, I said, never mind. I woke up at the same place, if I recall, each time of the dream. I didn't dream it three nights in a row or the three times that night. It was over time. But the exact same dream, exact same situation, This slave girl has approached Paul, Silas, and those that are going to the place of prayer and says their message is saying what you need to hear in order to be saved. 
You must have discernment. Listen carefully. You must have discernment when a person seems to be saying something that's correct, but it's wrong. The motive is wrong. There's a lie involved. The person is not right. The entity is not right. And we have to be careful just because a person voices words that you don't wrap your arms around them. The Bible says that we are to test the spirits to see if they are from God. And yet that means there has to be a judging that takes place. There has to be a judging that takes place. Those that God changed became his servants, and they became the ones who were to share the gospel. Paul did not become an ambassador for Christ until his Damascus Road experience. There are people in the church, I want to do a work for the Lord. You need to get saved. You got to be saved. It's great. God has gifted the body. He's gifted the, the church. You've got to be saved. Can't we just work? No, yeah, I mean, there's things that can be done, but you need to be saved. Paul said. Well, let me say before what Paul said. It was right at the time of prayer. Now, let me say this as I quickly move on and then open it up in a few moments. I did see your hand back there at home, but I wanted to get to that point. I saw your hand. When I mentioned that you have to be careful that when you're at a high, yes, you have to watch because Satan will come at a time right when you've had a mountaintop experience with the Lord. You've got to be careful that when you begin to pray, that Satan will come and begin to discourage you right at the time of prayer and begin to have you do all other types of stuff when it's time for you to pray. And you might even say, to yourself, oh, I'm going to be watching that because I know just what he's going to do. And before you know it, you haven't watched and he's done something, whether, whether the phone's ringing, your mind, whatever the case may be, you've got to be watching. He's very crafty. Prayer is hard work because prayer is our communication with God, but it allows us to be able to enter into the presence of God in, in such a way that allows us entrance into the throne room of God when we began to petition and spend time with the Lord. Prayer is powerful. That's why, that's why Satan doesn't want you praying. When Paul and those apostles, or Paul and the others, I should say, were on their way to prayer, that's when this slave girl met them. Now, she could have come back. She could have came at the time when they're coming back. But no, it's at the time when you need to go and get a word from the Lord. And now they're going to my goodness. Your spirit can be all messed up. It's at the time of prayer that they have this encounter. Prayer is not just an event. It must be a lifestyle. Paul and his group were in the habit of praying. Some people pray as if it's an event. Who I'm going to prayer today. Ooh. Okay. What you going to do the rest of the week? Prayer is not, I will say, simply an event. It is a lifestyle. When people say, I prayed and nothing seemed to happen. Yeah. (laughs) 
Oh, I prayed and the opposite happened. Yep, that will happen too. Because that will show challenge you to say, I ain't praying anymore. Some of y'all say, I ain't praying because I know when I begin to pray, bad stuff start happening. And for some of y'all, spook some of y'all out. And y'all say, I ain't going, I'm going to be careful when I pray. I told y'all, y'all better be careful praying for patience. You're going to get it. You get patience by going through stuff. You want some patience? You'll get it. It's not going to just, it's not going to just be, here's some patience. Take it. No. You're going to go through some stuff to get some patience. Go home and the person that you didn't want to see for the whole last five years is a person that's walking up the street right as you are on your way home from church. Singing your hallelujah, what a blessing. Oh, there they are. Just mess up your whole attitude. <laughs> you've got to watch. You've got to watch. You've got to watch. You've got to watch. You've got to watch and pray. The attack of this young girl started after Lydia had come to the Lord and the Holy Spirit was moving. Number two, money um, more important than the soul. It, it said that these these men, these owners of the slave girl, earned they earned a, a, a good amount of money, a lot of money. It, it, we hear nothing of the owners of this slo- of the slave girl showing any compassion for her while she is being tormented by the, the spirit. Get this: if a person is being now, let me just say this: there is a difference between demon possession. And demon or demonic oppression. Demon possession and demonic oppression. Christians can be oppressed by Satan. But a born again Christian who knows the Lord cannot be possessed by Satan. This young girl was possessed. These spirits had taken over her body. And in fact, Paul knew that with that what was in her was not that what was, what was being spoken was not coming from that girl, but was coming from the entity inside of her. She was not saved. So the devil can possess an individual that does not know the Lord, but not the person who does. He can oppress you. He can put all kinds of pressure on you. Think about Job as the perfect example. Job was not possessed by the devil, but he sure was oppressed. If you are fooling around with the Ouija board, throw it away. Get a sledgehammer, break it up, don't want nobody. Get rid of it. It is not a game. Dungeons and Dragons, popular. Y'all think some of these little games are fun? Ooh. There's a lot of things that kids get wrapped in you have to be very careful about. Now, there's some games that's fun, it's fine. 
But these, some of these, these gangs that have this occultic influence, we should not be purchasing for the kids. And this young girl, we have no idea. We don't know. The Bible didn't say how she came to be possessed. But the Bible says she made a great deal of money for her masters. And it is interesting that the masters did not care anything about what those spirits were doing to her. Anytime a person is possessed by the enemy, there is torture and torment on the inside. This young girl was tormented. It was no gift. I mean, oh, I wish I could predict the future. No. But she earned a great deal of money for her masters, and they did not care about what was happening on the inside of her. The crowd. Imagine this. Paul turns. After many days of this girl coming in, Saying these things turns around. Hmm. Verse 18. Kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. No holy water. Trying to sprinkle some water on some demon. Spit that right back in your face. See some of these shows going in and toward, no, no, no. It's only by the name and blood of Jesus Christ. People don't know what they're messing with. And even these men didn't even fully understand. They didn't understand what they're missing. All they realized, we're making a lot of money. So when they realized that their means by which they made money was gone, they got upset. I told you, you got to be careful when you mess with people's money. you got to be careful. People will come after you when you mess with their money. This is my corner, they tell you. <laughs> y'all got it, y'all got it, y'all got it. You got it, you got it. <laughs> it was the crowd after... The Lord had miraculously removed the spirit that was in that young girl. And I can imagine, just like the man at the tomb, that she must have been. When we, the old saints used to say, she was clothed in her right mind. <laughs> she was clothed in her right I don't know where that phrase comes from. But she was clothed in her right mind. I can imagine that she sat there now, and they knew. That something ain't the same. They were abusing this girl because of profit, not caring what it was doing to her. We've got to be very careful that what we do, how we do it, how it affects people should be a major concern. It was Paul rebuking the spirit in her that caused these, these owners of this slave girl to become upset and to go after them and to have the crowd go after them as well. And something I hadn't seen before is that I think this crowd that also was riled up, because I tell you, it doesn't take much to get a mob riled up. 
I, I think this mom was riled up because they realized she was telling our future, and that's not going to happen no more. And I think that some of them were upset because of that. That's my own thinking. But they got this crowd all riled up, and then beat Paul, and put them in prison. Now, I told you this before. Whenever a prisoner was put in prison, whatever the punishment of, for that prisoner was, if that prisoner got away, the guards would get it. Whoever the guards were that's on duty. If your prisoner escaped, whatever they were supposed to get as a punishment, you got it if they got away. The Bible says it was at midnight. And I need to just give you this third point, and that is prayer at a painful time. You cannot tell me that Paul and Silas were not hurting. They were praying at a painful time. You know, there's something that sometimes happens when we are in pain that our heart becomes tenderized towards God. There are times to where it doesn't seem to take you as long to get into the presence of God when there's pain there, when you're hurting, because there's a deepness, there's something that's going on that, that, that just kind of that moves you. All the other stuff that has been kind of Around you, it just seems to fade in the background, but that pain can carry you right into the very presence of God because of what you're experiencing. Paul and Silas are physically beaten, but it's during this painful time that we hear of them singing and praying to God, and the Bible says their feet are in the stocks, but it didn't chain their souls. Oh, I can imagine that some of us would have said, oh, I need some soap and water for my pain and my sores. I need something to be able to cleanse me from this dungeon. I need something here. But all what they did was spend time worshiping God. And the Bible says that the other prisoners were there listening to them. Body told them at midnight to shut up. No, they didn't tell them that. But they're listening. They weren't praying because their bodies felt good, but because the Lord is worthy to be praised. No matter what your situation might be, God is worthy to be praised. That's something that you need to remember. It doesn't make a difference what you're going through. He's worthy to be praised. Prayer and songs were taking place right there in that prison. The worship of these two prisoners and the prisoners knowing what had happened to them are listening. The Bible says there was a great earthquake. And that was not a regular earthquake. <laughs> Can you imagine an earthquake that has the doors fly open and all the chains fall loose? That wasn't Marin County. They would have been gone. Marin County would have been sending out the dogs. They would have been up Mount Tam, Muir Woods. They'd have been all over those hills. Saying the Lord has answered their prayer and has released me. <laughs> Yeah. 
the Bible says that when that guard realized he had waken up, had awoken, awakened and saw that the prison doors were open, was about to kill himself because he knew that his penalty was death. All those prisoners, there's no way he's getting a way out of He's not getting out of that. Paul says, hold it, don't harm yourself. We are all here. I better scare those prisoners away. They said, this ain't no natural earthquake. I ain't going nowhere. I'm standing right next to Paul and Silas. I ain't going nowhere. Paul, wherever you go, I'm going with you. (laughs) Bible says, that that jailer came in and fell on his face on his, before them. On his, he said, what must I do? He knew. He even knew being awakened that this ain't normal. And he knew what question to ask. You can't tell me that people, when death is around the corner, you can't tell me that they don't know what to do. It might be a heart of rebellion, but they know what to do. They know what to do. Amen. I'm going to take seven minutes or so for questions, and we're going to end. If there's any questions. You mean Lydia? You mean before? That, now Lydia had gotten saved, and so she wanted to show her gratitude because of having been saved, wanted to provide for the ministry of Paul and his companions. No, it wasn't her. It was a slave girl, someone else. It was not Lydia. Mm-hmm. Good question. All right. Yes, no, they were voicing, because the Bible says that the prisoners were listening to them. So they were worshiping God out loud in the, in the jail. At what price does the devil speak the truth? When he's telling the truth. Huh. It's a very good question. Satan's ultimate goal is for, there's two things, at least that come to mind, comes to mind for me right now. One is for the soul of the unsaved. Wants to keep them so that they never come to Christ. So keep them blind. So one is that he speaks because he wants to keep the soul. Secondly, he will speak the truth even when it was Paul, a man, a man of God, in order to, excuse me, that will keep them from being effective or to show that the spirit of Satan and the spirit of Christ can be united together. So that if we can partner up together, you hear me? Satan wants to see, say that there's an alliance between that which is right and that which is wrong. And if he could do that, there could be a blending and there would be people that would never come to the Lord. And they would show that evil can be a part of that which is holy. And that can never be the case. So there can never be a partnering of that which is of Satan and that which is, which is of God. And, and it, you, when, when we think about this, I think it's an excellent question, I think when we think about this matter of this slave girl, while she was speaking and telling the truth, Satan's, when we think about what his, his goal is, so when we think about it, if I'm working on something, so let's say, let me say this. If there's something that I have that you want, and I give it to you with the heart of real love and gratitude, you'll accept it and appreciate it. But you know that if I have a lot of resentment and angry about it, you're not going to really want to accept that gift. You're going to have some 
some reservation because you know it's not really coming from a heart of compassion. All right? So there's like, no, I don't want that. When we think about the, the gift of God, God gave his son, Jesus Christ, because he loved us so much. People try to turn it around, and Satan even tries to turn it around in such a way to make it appear that if you don't sit the Lord, you're just going to hell. I mean, tries to, tries to make it appear and sound like, which we, we will, I mean, but tries to make it appear and sound as if the only reason a person should do anything is for fear and not out of love. When God, when he came, it was because he loved us. And even the judgment of God is because of the fact that he loves us. But Satan is always trying to twist the goodness and love and mercy of God around into something else. And I think the price that we always have to be very, very aware of is that Satan always tries to make it appear that God has ulterior motives behind what he does. There's something else there that's not genuine. Your heart can never be the determining factor if you're saved. It's the word of God that determines if a person is saved. Now, in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, the Bible says that with confession, in fact, let's go ahead and read it. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. The heart is involved, Jackie, absolutely. But I'm going to, I want to share something with you after I read this. Romans chapter 10, beginning at verse 9, it says this. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. That's the first step. You've got to confess Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As, number 11, as the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Whenever a person, when the Bible speaks of confessing with the heart, it automatically assumes and means that a person is now being led by the Spirit of God. So that whenever a person confesses their sin, the Lord comes in, takes his abode, and they begin to walk in the way that God has set forth in his word. The reason why it can never be your heart alone is because the Bible says the heart is wicked and it's deceptive. Your heart will deceive you. Your heart will tell you things that's not true. And so if you are relying simply upon your heart, you might be led astray. When people say, well, I just feel this is the way that it should be. It has to be bathed in prayer, and it has to be according to the direction of God. So sometimes when we look at things, God gives direction regarding a move, but when it comes to salvation, it is always in regards to the work that God himself does in us. And it's based on the word of God. The Bible says in 623, Romans 623, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So when we think about what the wages of sin pays, it pays death. How do we know? Did, did, does that come, is that coming from my heart? No. It's coming from the word of God. The wages, the work that we do. If, if it's only the works that we're looking at, 
the wages, if it's not of God, the wages of sin, it will lead to death. But we know the gift of God is eternal life. So whenever I'm living, I should be able to evaluate a person's life by the word of God. Is this person living according to what the Bible says? If I pick some fruit from that tree, I should be able to tell if it's good enough. If I bite into it and I bite into a worm, I'm not eating it no more. I'm not eating no more of that apple or fruit, whatever it might be. I made a decision. That is not good. It has a worm in it. It has something there. There's something there that should not be there. Now, what the Lord said, let me just say this and move on. We'll get into closing in a moment. There are times when there's things in our hearts that we have to deal with and address. When we talk about strongholds that the enemy has, everyone has strongholds in their life that the enemy, that he taps into, tries to get control over. There are certain things that I may not struggle with, what another person struggles with, but yet another person may not struggle with what I struggle, what I struggle with. The issue is this. When the Bible says that we are to encourage and rebuke and teach in 2 Timothy, when we talk about it, that it is the body that helps to correct the body. The body of Christ helps to correct the body of Christ. A person can't think, you can't tell me what to do. Well, if a person's in the body of Christ and they have leadership, they should be able to. But if a person is just speaking because they might be upset, no, there's a way to be able to do it. But salvation, salvation is from the word of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then there's verse 17. When we look at God's word, we have to see, do I measure up? Now, there are people on the, on the talk shows that you will oftentimes hear people applauding that says, well, a person has to be able to make their, up their own mind and make their own decisions, and no one can tell another person what to do. That is the philosophy of the world. Because the Bible, from the Old Testament to the New, they had, they had a monotheistic religion. It was one God who told them, this is what you need to do. And they had to do that in order to experience the blessings of God. It hasn't changed. We have a freedom in the Lord, but we still follow what the Lord God Almighty says. Right. Other questions? Yes, Rhonda. The way that you test the Spirit is always, 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 always by the Word of God. I'm saying that a person, not that a person won't say something that may be wrong, I'm saying that the overall message is not biblical. So the way that we test a person's message is how does it line up with Scripture? So when we look at the content and the context of Scripture, it's precept upon precept, line upon line. So when we look at God's word, how does what they say line up to the overall working of this word of God? So that if a person ever says to me, there's, there's, there's three things I'm going to look at if a, when a person is preaching or if a person is giving a message to say, and this is part of it. Number one, I'm going to say, what do they do with Jesus Christ? Okay, that's one of the first things. Because here, there's no compromise. This is a pri- what we call primary issues. What do they, what do, they do with Jesus Christ? What do they do about hell? And what do they do with the Holy Spirit? Those are three primary areas that we as individuals look at or we have to be aware of and we have to pay attention to in regards to what other people do. There can be no compromise. We say that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is the Savior. If anybody is saying that 
It's Jesus and someone else that you can be saved. You automatically know that's a falsehood. You should know that. If anyone ever tells you that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is an it, it's not a person, it's a force, it's not correct. The Holy Spirit has personality. He's a person. He's God. He's the third person of the Trinity. And we tell people, hell is just a figment of your imagination. Jesus talked more about hell than almost anything else in his time when he was on the earth. Hell is a real place. And I don't plan on going there. <laughs> and I'm preaching so that you don't go there. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is God. He came to die for our sins. It's Jesus alone. No one else. It's not Jesus and a little bit of something else. You ever do you want people want to say it's Jesus and, it, and what we call that when you try to include Jesus from our Wednesday night group, what do we call that? Syncretism. It's a combining of that from other religions with Jesus saying it's Jesus and no, it's Jesus and none by himself. All right? Syncretism. Yes, ma'am. God bless you. Amen. 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 Lord, today we pray that you will bless us and keep us as we leave. Thank you for your love, your goodness, and kindness, and we thank you for your righteousness. We pray that we will be mindful of who we hear, that we will hear the Spirit of the Almighty God. We love you. We praise you for life itself. And we pray for those that will go out into the world. And we know Satan got things that he's going to be throwing, but God, keep your arm of love and protection around them. We continue to lift up the Coleman family in a special way during this time of bereavement and others who have lost loved ones. We pray that you will be lifted up. We give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.